This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And greetings from Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd. Another edition of Astroline presented by Carbach Brewing Company. Robert Ford, pleased to be joined by Jeff Blum. Good to see you again, Jeff. Yeah, it's good to actually be here in person and enjoy the atmosphere and get to see everybody's beautiful faces. I know that's something we don't get to do very often, but the excuse to be on radio and see you guys is always good. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the truck left today for spring training. That's always a, a big moment. I mean, I say that kind of jokingly because, I mean, how big of a moment can it be that a truck is about to head to, to Florida? But, I mean, for a lot of people, it's like, hey, baseball's around the corner. It is, and I, and considering the way things have gone in the in the past, you know, at this time last year we were excited about that truck, and then all yeah. of a sudden the truck was kind of in limbo. Does it go back to Houston? Does it stay in West Palm? Eventually, right. it did go back to uh, to Houston. But I think the fact that the truck is actually leaving Houston to go to West Palm Beach gives that initial signal that hey. We are going to have spring training, and everything is pointing in the right direction. And I think it just creates a little bit of momentum. And I think right now what fans need is a little bit of that momentum that gives them hope. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to get into all the wrangling between the union and the, and the owners. That, <laughs> that's that, a that, whole other show. That's a whole other show. But, I mean, bottom line is it's gotten to a point where it seems like things are going to start on time. The Astros' first spring training game is supposed to be February 27th. Uh, you know, camp start a couple of weeks prior to that. So it looks like everything's on time there. Of course, you never know with the pandemic and how things are going. But I think a lot of people are encouraged too, Jeff, because, you know, the vaccines are out there now. Yep. People are starting to, to get vaccinated. Uh, cases are starting to go down in a lot of places, which is a good thing. So I think a lot of people are optimistic about not only this season coming up, but the fact that they may actually get to see some games in person here, you know, at some point during, during this summer. Well, we're here at Pluckers, and there's about 95 televisions on, and there's one of them on that's showing a golf tournament in Arizona. Yes. And there are fans at that golf tournament in Arizona. And everybody knows that the Cactus League is out there, and they have a lot of spring training games. They're going to have fans. So I think you're right. The fact that fans actually have the opportunity to buy tickets, maybe buy a flight, get on a plane, and go visit some of these teams – and think about it, fans missed out on an entire season of baseball last year, so they are clinging to the fact that they can go see a spring training game and get their eyes on some of these new prospects, get some eyes on some of these old veterans, and start to integrate themselves into that lifestyle again of being a fan. And shoot, next thing you're going to tell me is that they're actually going to give me a TV schedule to look forward to. <laughs> that would be something. That would be something. I would, I'd love to hear that call. Wait, you guys don't do all the spring games like radio anyway uh, well rumor has it we're doing <laughs> 10 i just have no idea which 10 <laughs> well we certainly look forward to you guys being on tv again it's just like steve and i you guys work too radio. much we i agree I, with I you. mean if i'm your agent i'm going there these guys are working too much because you're da you're scheduled to do every spring game on radio again right right all of them are broadcast uh you know generally we have people fill in which has always been great the last few years we'll see how this year goes but yeah a lot of excitement yep looking forward to it as a player you get to this time of year 
Oh uh, man, what what what's kind of your mentality? Is it are you start? Is it almost like a kid getting ready for the first day of school? One hundred percent. You know, I, I one of my one of my favorite phrases when I'm on TV, especially when Jordan hits a home run, is I'm tingly, and this is about that time you start to get tingly because all of that work in the off season is le- is getting you ready to go into spring training. And one of the best parts about getting down to spring training, it's yes, it's seeing all the guys, it's catching up, but I'm sure there's some crazy protocols that are in place that these guys right. have to go through before they actually get to see everybody. But once you roll in there and you get the high fives and the handshakes and the stories out of the way, you show up in your locker and there are boxes. It's a mountain of boxes <laughs> of all the fresh new gear, the new spikes, new turf shoes, batting gloves, all of you know, the, the glove itself. You get to break in a new glove. That was one of the most fun things about spring training is getting that new bat finding out how it feels and then getting that new glove, seeing how they lace that thing up and you know, really breaking that in. And that was a, probably the most fun is going out there and having all that just newness of it, the smells that start to come back. Those are a lot of those key factors. That's awesome. I got to tell my favorite uh, going into spring training story. Uh, I, you know, I covered the Royals, and I used to cover Royals spring training uh, you know, before I came to Houston. And I, got, I would get there when pitchers and catchers reported. So I'd be there That's early, really early. Uh, you can only watch PFP so many times, let me tell you. <laughs> and especially when you're supposed to report you, on you it. You sound like a pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> so I get down there. You know, it's day before pitches and catches report. I go to the rental car counter. The Royals train in Arizona. So I'm at the Phoenix airport. I go to the rental car counter. And, uh, you know, the guy asked me, you know, the rental, oh, you here for spring training? I said, yes. He's like, oh, who do you, uh, what, are you what are you doing down here? I said, oh, you know, I, I, I cover the Royals. I work for the, you know, for the radio station in Kansas City. He's like, oh, that great. He's, that's great. He goes, I... I just had a player come through here who plays for the Indians. I won't name him. This was, again, about 10 years ago. He's like, I won't name this player. He's like, yeah, the player just came through. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And he goes, um, I asked him, hey, how are the Indians going to be this year? And he goes, not very good. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, and I mean, that player, that player was right. But yep. uh, I was like, man, if that's how you start that, off That's how you're going into training. spring training. Because that's the one thing you talk about when you get into camp. No matter how good you think you're going to be, everybody starts at zero. And you always right. say, this is the beginning of our championship season, but maybe not in Cleveland that year. Man, that's, that's a harsh reality to grasp onto when you've got 162 games to go. You're telling the guy at the Enterprise rental car counter, yeah, we're, yeah, we're hey, going to be pretty bad this year. If you're going to put $1,000 on the Indians this year, don't. <laughs> Jeez. Well, we have an exciting show for you. We got a, a couple of interviews with a couple of guys that hopefully we'll be seeing a lot of in Houston in the coming years. Uh, Chaz McCormick, outfielder who was actually on two of the postseason rosters last year, and Forrest Whitley, the Astros' top prospect, according to Baseball America. We'll hear from them coming up. We'll be back with more as Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, live from Plucker's Wing Bar at 1400 Shepherd, continues on the Houston Astros radio network. Discover the Palm Beaches. Experience legendary hospitality in Florida's golf capital with special rates at the area's best resorts. Miles of uncrowded beaches stretch from Jupiter to Boca Raton. Small cities and beach towns are waiting for you to explore. More than 160 sun-soaked golf courses are inviting you to play. Start planning your next trip at thepalmbeaches.com. Baseball season, it comes and goes, but Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park, or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go Strohs! 
Welcome back to Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd. Astroline presented by Carbog Brewing Company continues. And don't forget the 2021 season is just around the corner, and you won't want to miss a minute of the action. Enjoy some of the best seats and exclusive benefits throughout the year with Astro season tickets. Visit astros.com slash ticket plans or call 1-877-9-ASTROS to learn more. Robert Ford joined by Jeff Blum once again, and we're going to hear from outfielder Chaz McCormick. And uh, we had a great conversation with Chaz the other day, and – I mean, it sounds like he's excited to get out of the cold and snow of Pennsylvania where he lives, and I, don't, I can't say I blame him, and this could be a big year for him. No, I, I 100% agree. I don't know how he's handling it. That snowstorm couldn't have hit the Northeast at a better time if you're a, a baseball player trying to get out of that go to spring <laughs> training. Uh, it gives you several things to look forward to. But, yeah, he's an interesting story. You mentioned how he had been on the – the wild card roster, so that's how we kind of got to know the name a little bit. We didn't get a chance to get our eyes on him, but now he already has that, that you know, he can roll into that clubhouse and go, hey, man, I'm a vet of the playoffs. That's right. You know, can I get a better locker? Can I get a better number? <laughs> but uh, we're actually going to get a chance to see why he was chosen to be on that wild card roster and maybe display some of those skills down in spring training, so I'm looking forward to that. And we got a chance to talk with Chaz McCormick. First thing we asked him was his reaction when he found out he was going to be on the wild card roster was it something he was even thinking about honestly uh yeah it really wasn't on my uh, radar i mean funny thing was um joe actually told me a week before playoffs um that i wasn't you know he was like i don't know Chaz. i don't think we'll be able to call you up you know and i was like okay that's okay maybe next year um and then you know a week later i get a call from dusty and joe and uh you know honestly i was like I, I was like, hello, and uh, it was, you know, they were kind of laughing in the background, and, uh, you know, I was like, you know, hey, it's it's uh, Dusty and Joe, uh, we're going to activate you on the roster, and I was like, I, you know, at first, I, I didn't believe it, um, but, you know, then, and I was with a couple of my friends um, in the in the hotel room, so they just kind of started jumping on me, and, uh, you know, it was pretty surreal, it's pretty, it was pretty surreal. Um, so what was that experience like for you? Uh, just being there for the wild card series and the division series round, what, what, were, what were kind of some of your takeaways just from from that whole experience? Even though you wound up not getting into a game, um, yeah, it was it was uh, yeah, I was you know pretty speechless. But you know, like heading into um, you know the wild card game, we were playing you know Minnesota at, at Minnesota, um, and honestly, like I'm, I just remember sitting in the dugout. Um, you know, as, as the game's about to begin and I'm like, holy crap, like, you know, this is, this is it. But, you know, at the same time, like I was like, you got to hold your emotions. Cause it's like, you know, you never know when you're going to get in you, and you know, really like you just gotta be ready to play and win. Um, so like, you know, your emotions and all like the day, you know, maybe making your debut and getting caught up, you know, that you kind of got to like wash that away. Um, but honestly, I, I remember just sitting in the dugout and, you know, watching, some of the greats, you know, basically like, uh, you know, Nelson Cruz or, you know, what, you know, basically watching Springer and Brantley hit and Altuve, you know, that lineup just go, go off. Um, it was, it was just, you know, watching those, you know, cause I was a teenager watching those guys play, you know, the Nelson Cruz and, and it was pretty, pretty unreal just sitting in a dug outside and, and, uh, you know, seeing everyone compete, you know, seeing postseason baseball, major league baseball. Yeah, and you're on a wild card roster, and you're, you're on a roster for a playoff team that hasn't just made it out of the first round. They've made it to a couple of World Series 
and were working their way towards uh, another World Series. But uh, who were you hanging around in that dugout? Was there any what like what information did you absorb in that entire experience, and who did you hang around with? Um, you know, I, I I try to you know I try to hang out with my you know outfield guys, you know Straw, the Brantley, you know Springer, kind of like pick their brains. Um, you know, Straw was kind of helping me, you know be like hey we gotta show up you know be here on time and and uh you know make sure you stay ready in this inning you know um and it you know it's really basically all about just like you know how prepared can you be you know pre-game you know even during the game and even post-game you know like you know even just the little things like after a playoff game you know you see Springer and Brantley um after the game after a good W after they played well they're stretching and getting ready for the next day you know preparing for the next day and like that caught my mind. I was like, man, it just, it, you know, the preparation in this game doesn't stop and it, and it can't stop. Um, and, you know, obviously I talked to coaches here and there, you know, before the game, but again, like I said, the preparation, you know, like during the game, I was just making sure I knew, you know, all the signs I knew what was going on, scouting reports of each arm. Um, and, you know, just making sure, you know, in the middle of the game that I was ready to, you know, uh, you know, run or play defense because that was kind of my job getting caught up. Yep, awesome time that you got to enjoy with those guys. Now, what are the expectations on you, just you personally? I know what the team has their own ideas, but what is Chaz McCormick's ideal twenty twenty one? Um, you know, to play play with in the big leagues with the Astros as much as possible, and and to stay up there. You know, it's it's you know you you can you can it's they're going to give you opportunity, you know, they're going to give me an opportunity and, you know, and, and that's all I can ask for, but you know, they, it's, you can only stay up there for so long, you know, that's, that's the hard part. Like, yeah, you can, you know, you'll get your shots and your opportunities, but how long do you actually want to stay, you know, stay in the big leagues for, you know, and like during a season. Um, and, and my goal is just to, you know, obviously play hard and play as much as possible, but with the big league team and, and stay up there and contribute as much as possible um, during the 2021 season with the big league club. Hey, we're joined by Chaz Kane McCormick. Chaz spelled, by the way, C-H-A-S. It's not, from what I understand, it's not a nickname. It's not, a, it's not short for, you know, Chazmere or something like that. So <laughs> yeah. how, did, how, did you, how did you wind up with the name Chaz? Where did your parents come up with that? Um, it, it was pretty, uh, my, my mom went to my, one of my oldest brothers soccer game you know back in the day my oldest brother is you know 32 years old um and she she just re she remembers being at the soccer game and then you know a mother next to her you know i think it was the opposing team not my oldest brother's team but you know she was like come on Chaz," and then my mom you know heard that name and she was like wow it's a pretty creative unique name and it and it's funny because i get i get called so many different names because of Chaz, you know it's like <laughs> It's like a chase, you know, like Springer and Brantley called me chase all year or like, like <laughs> I've got, I've got called Chuck, you know, I've got called Chad. Uh, um, <laughs> but there's, I could keep going all with these names, but, um, but yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool name. I, I like it though. And you have a, uh, you have an identical twin who his name is Jason. It's not as cool as yours. <laughs> um, but, uh, are you, was, uh, was Jason? Um, was J did Jason also? Was he also a baseball player? Did he did he play for for quite a while? Like, I mean, obviously not professionally, but did he did he play also? Yeah, yeah. I, ha I actually have uh, three older brothers, so my my twin brother is nine minutes older than me. Um, mm -hmm. 
So Jason played at um, Immaculata University, college, Division Three college baseball team around Westchester. Um, he was an All-American. Um, my my older brother, he's 28 years old. He he played at Kutztown University mm-hmm. in the same. It's called a Pennsylvania State Athletic State Athletic Conference in Division Two. Um, same conference as wh- where I went to, where I, I went to Millersville University. And then my oldest brother, um, Ryan, he played at Millersville University as well. Um, and that's kind of how I got linked into going playing baseball at Millersville University. And they they were all r- really good. Um, it kind of kept me since I was the youngest one. You know, they were always better than me growing up. And you know, it was perfect because we had um, we could play you know tennis, baseball in the front yard. Even even you know just competing in all kinds of sports. You know, two on two. You know, um, so I thought you know growing up it was pretty cool to be you know under their wing and you know obviously getting frustrated as they would beat, beat my butt, but, um, you know, it, it ended up, you know, working out. Yeah, I think it's a pretty, it's pretty interesting to hear those backstories and in, inside families and how the dynamic works. Uh, cause you are a guy that does play with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Uh, you know, you just said you went to a division two school, got drafted in the 17th or the 21st round in 2017, you know, explain to the fans a little bit about your road, you know, some of the struggles and why maybe you do have that chip on your shoulder that hopefully motivates you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it was it, it all started in high school where, you know, I always played well for a high school team for my high school team. And, you know, I was a four year starter. So um, but, you know, I was always kind of called a gamer. So, like, you know, showcases and tryouts throughout high school, like I would get cut. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be on the radar there with, cause I wasn't like wow. the fastest kid. I didn't have the strongest arm. Um, you know, I was pretty average at a lot. I wasn't the biggest kid. Um, but you know, that kind of, you know, going into college, you know, cause I got, I got cut from like a Keystone tryout team, you know, going, um, before, before college. And, you know, obviously that kind of fired me up. Uh, but I, you know, I was always called a gamer. So I got into college, obviously, um, still wasn't really like the biggest kid, you know, the fastest kid. Um, but you know, I always played well in games and I was like, okay, I'll just take it as I'm a gamer, you know, and, and, you know, obviously if I, you know, do showcases, even, you know, even I go on new summer ball teams, you know, and like beginning where kids didn't really know me that well in college, you know, I didn't look the best in, in the beginning when we weren't playing any games, it was just cause I wasn't hitting the ball the farthest, you know? Um, but then obviously when, when it, the games would come around, I would be, you know, right up in there playing every single day, being at the top of the order. And, um, you know, I kind of kept that chip on my shoulder, you know, throughout college, obviously. And then even going into the pro ball, you know, I still went into mm-hmm. pro ball with, uh, with a chip in my shoulder. Um, you know, but, you know, I think it has, you know, since I, I'm at the highest level of baseball and I got actually, you know, caught up last year that now, you know, you get to that, you get to the big leagues and I feel like no one plays with a chip on their shoulder because, you know, everyone's at the highest level of baseball. Uh, so I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting, but. No, it's, yeah, it's a good story, and it's it's been fun to follow. And you know, obviously, we both wish you the best of luck. When you were when you were a young kid uh, playing baseball, watching baseball, who did you? Who, who's the one player that you had to watch or you idolized? Maybe. Um. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I was growing up. I was a huge Philadelphia Phillies fan. Uh. So you know, it was the it was that 2008 World Series team. So the Chase Utley, the mm-hmm. Jimmy Rollins, the Shane Victorino. Um. There, Aaron Rowan, you know, even their pitching staff, the Cole, you know, I can name them all, but uh, mm-hmm. just that hard nosed baseball. Um, 
but you know, I also, you know, outside of the Phillies, it was, I, I always loved watching Jose Reyes, you know, the shortstop, uh, for the Mets, you know, I just yeah. thought he was a great, you know, great contact hitter fast and always made the, made the right plays quick, explosive. Um, so, you know, that era of baseball really, you know, got me going. Yeah, it's always interesting talking with guys to find out what, what were the teams that they really identified with. And, of course, you growing up near Philadelphia, what was a great time in, in Philly's history, certainly a great era uh, in Philly's history. Have you gotten a chance uh, since you've been in pro ball, or maybe even before that, to, to meet any of those guys or maybe face somebody on a rehab or something like that that you, that you grew up watching and it was like, oh, my God, this, this, is, this is unbelievable? Yeah, yeah. Um... You know, not many position players. Uh, I, I haven't met really many position players, but I faced um, in 2019. Uh, we played against the Iowa Cubs in Triple A, um, and Cole Hamels made, uh, <laughs> nice. m- m- yeah, made a rehab start. And I remember starting against him, and I'm like, "Wow, I can't believe um, I'm facing him." You know, it was cool and exciting. Um, and the previous two hitters before that. Uh, went back to back, so like Ferguson, Drew Ferguson hit a home run, then Kyle mm-hmm. Tucker hit a home run, then I'm up to plate. And I hit a deep fly ball to center. Obviously, it was kind of blown out in Iowa, but I hit a deep, deep uh, fly ball to center. It got it got caught, but um, I was kind of wishing I hit that back to back to back. But um, you know, facing him was cool. Obviously, it was amazing. That, that's that's really cool. Um, yeah, want to ask you one more thing before before we let you go here. Um, so, you know, we mentioned you're from, you know, from the Philadelphia area, Westchester, Pennsylvania, and your family, they have a, a house painting business. They uh, do. They do. And, uh, and my understanding is in the off season, a lot of people may not understand this, you know, going through the minor leagues, guys have to work in the off season. You don't make yeah. enough money to, to just live off of that unless you got a, a huge signing bonus as a high pick. Uh, so tell me about this this house painting business and how your how you how your family got involved with this and, and what's your your involvement in that when when baseball's not yeah. happening. Well, uh, yeah, my my dad runs like owns his own business, his own painting business, and uh, you know, my dad kind of had my you know my oldest brother work for him, and then he has my older brother work for him, and then obviously my twin brother and I you know had worked for him here and there, um, you know. So obviously my first year in Pro Bowl, I really had to. Um, you know, make some money in, in the off season. And, and so like, really I had to just work for, uh, you know, paint with my dad and work for him every single day um, in the morning through the afternoons. And then even had to, you know, I used that money to pay for my off season training to go to the gym that next, that afternoon. Um, and, you know, it was, it was, it was hard and busy and I was giving up my money for the off season training, but, um, at the same time, I, I, it kept me very productive throughout the day. You know, it was, it was waking up painting from seven to one and then working out from one to four. Um, and so my, my, my dad should be retiring soon. And my older brother, I think will be taking over the business. Um, but it's, I mean, right now my dad has, you know, four separate workers since really n- none of my brothers besides my middle brother works, uh, for my dad. He has three other, um, employees. But it's funny you ask because I, I kind of like steered away from that. I didn't really, I haven't been really working for my dad that much lately. Um, but you know, I'm actually, I was actually thinking about, you know, going back, you know, before I went to spring training just to make some extra cash, uh, working for my dad. Um, but 
I actually decided just to do some baseball lessons, you know, because it was it was always, you know, either pay with my dad if I needed some extra money or work at all star like an all star academy and do lessons where my oldest brother actually works at. Um, and it's right. It's like 20 minutes away on, uh, from my house. Um, so, yeah, it was it was um, it was a good time. And I always enjoy, you know, working for my dad here and there, you know, just like a change of pace. You know, since I'm always doing baseball every day, it's kind of nice to, like, you know, change it up and, uh, you know, get a paintbrush in my hand once in a while. <laughs> you, I'm sure it makes you appreciate being able to play baseball for a living, too, doesn't it? When you when you're when you're painting houses. One <laughs> One hundred, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's uh, yeah, yeah. I definitely don't miss when my dad's screaming at me at eight in the morning, <laughs> telling me, to, telling me to climb up a ladder in the ice, freezing cold, <laughs> without gloves. That's what I want to know. You ain't, you're not painting much right now, anyways. Aren't you guys getting crushed by the storm? Yeah, yeah. We we are getting crushed, but um, my my dad decided to buy a couple of trucks with four wheels. Uh, four wheel drive. That's a good thing. So, so he's actually been he's he's been really busy actually this time of year. Um, so you know this snow really we just oh. got hit with a huge snowstorm, but it hasn't stopped him from you know going to you know because it's exterior or interior. It really it really. Okay. Um, but most obviously this time we're we're mostly uh, inside. But you know during the fall when it's like okay outside, uh, we're mostly outside. Well, Astros outfielder and. Hopefully, a former house painter, uh, at least for a while. <laughs> yeah, Chaz, yeah. <laughs> Chaz, Chaz McCormick, hey, thank you so much for, for taking some time with us, and uh, best of luck to you, and look forward to seeing you uh, in an Astros uniform in Houston here real soon. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Great hearing from Chaz McCormick on Astroline, presented by Carbog Brewing Company. Hey, not sure what to expect from 2021. How about flexibility? The February Flex Plan is a voucher-based plan that allows you to select what games you want to attend up until first pitch. Bring three friends or come alone. The choice is yours. Visit astros.com slash ticket plans to learn more. Coming up next, we'll hear from Astros pitching prospect, Forrest Whitley as Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, continues live from Plucker's Wing Bar on 1400 Shepherd and on the Houston Astros Radio Network. Baseball season, it comes and goes, but Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park, or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go Strohs! Discover the Palm Beaches. Experience legendary hospitality in Florida's golf capital with special rates at the area's best resorts. Miles of uncrowded beaches stretch from Jupiter to Boca Raton. Small cities and beach towns are waiting for you to explore. More than 160 sun-soaked golf courses are inviting you to play. Start planning your next trip at thepalmbeaches.com. Welcome back to Astroline, presented by Carbach Brewing Company, live from Pluckers Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd in Houston. Robert Ford and Jeff Blum back with you, and we're going to hear from Astros pitching prospect Forrest Whitley. And, you know, it's a shame, obviously, that there wasn't a minor league season this past year, Blummer, mm-hmm. because there were a lot of guys that uh, certainly could have used those opportunities. There was the alternate site. wasn't quite the same, though. And I think Forrest Whitley certainly near the top of the list of guys – you know, you wanted to see at the minor league level oh, man, and yeah. play in games and see how they perform. 
He's definitely a guy you wanted to see because his name has been rumored at the top of the prospect list, not just in the Astros organization, but all, all over baseball. And then you went into a situation last year. Actually, I, I wish I would have asked him, looking back at that interview that we did have, is you know what was it like to watch other young players make their debut? Because right. it was an incredible, it was a, it was a historic year for debuts all across the major leagues, and especially with the Astros as far as pitching is concerned. Right. And he was not one of those guys where he should have been if he did have that season like you're talking about where he could get 10, 12 starts in, show his worth, and then get the call up. But, yeah, he's definitely a guy that we have anticipated for a while now, and hopefully this is the year maybe. Hopefully this is the year. And we asked for us, Whitley, what was it like being down at Corpus Christi, the uh, alternate site during uh, the 2020 season? It was a complete adjustment, complete like 180 from what we had been doing um, as far as like protocol and just like, you know, you get out of your comfort zone. So that was, that was the biggest thing. And then on top of that, you had to perform. And then there was kind of a necessity to do it quick because of the 60 games. Cause you were, you know, you're, everybody's trying to get there. Uh, every player pool has a, has a pretty good chance. So that was just my mentality going in. Um, and I thought I did a good job, but you know, just kind of fell short ultimately. What was it like facing the same guys every day? And most of these guys are guys you, you've played with. So, I mean, it, it had to feel like, I mean, we're recording this on Groundhog Day, coincidentally, but it had to feel like Groundhog Day some, sometimes, I'd, I'd have to imagine. Yeah, for sure. Like, I was definitely, like, questioning the legitimacy of my outings sometimes just because of the fact that I was facing the exact same guys every single time. Um I just feel like I knew how to pitch them. And like, I feel like, I don't know as a pitcher and I don't know how other pitchers feel, but I always feel like I could pitch the best against my own team just because, you know, you see them hit so much and you see them fail the majority of the time. You see them fail like 70% of the time, the good guys. So like you really, really hone in on their weaknesses and you really can like see what they hit and what they can't hit. And like, it was just, it was guys that I've been playing with for three, four five years now. So I knew how to pitch them. Forrest, you are obviously highly touted as a prospect. Tell the fans a little bit what it's like to have that label on you and how you feel, you know, being that guy. Yeah, for sure. Like, I remember at the beginning, like in 2018, when all of it was kind of coming to fruition, like it was, I didn't really understand like how like big of a deal it actually was. Like people were like really, really paying attention to this and like, and then, you know, next couple of years go by and you're not like to the, you know, media standards, like living up to it. I'm just like, so it's just kind of like, uh, it sucks to like be given a label and then like having to live up to it. And then like, you know, I'm going through my own or had been going through my own struggles at the time. So it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, I had to grow as a pitcher and a person uh, first before I like got to the big leagues and was a prospect. So that was the way that I looked at it just to kind of like make it easier on me. But yeah, it's definitely being like, it's, it's tough and it's a little bit overlooked, I think. No, it is extremely tough. And I know you're still trying to grind through it, but this could be a, a new year for you to make, make that jump into the big leagues. Give everybody an idea of, of maybe your pitching repertoire and what kind of pitcher you plan on being in the big leagues. Yeah. I'm actually glad you asked that question. I made like a pretty, pretty big adjustment as far as like what my plan is going to be as far as like attack hitters, but um, I've kind of, I've kind of boiled it down to four pitches, fastball, cutter, changeup, uh, curveball. Um, 
And my, my plan is just to go in and like mix, just mix as much as I possibly can. I've got really good stuff. And if I can get the cutter and the changeup and the fastball working, and if I can like mix all those pitches well, then, you know, get the curveball for strikes and sometimes an out pitch. Uh, I think I'm going to have a really, really good chance to have a good season, not only to break into the big leagues, but have a lot of success in the big leagues. Um, and then on top of that is just making sure that I'm throwing strikes and good strikes at that. Um, recognizing when things are like going astray and uh, just, you know, making that quick adjustment on the go is going to be super important, but just uh, keeping guys off base with the walks um, is going to be huge for me this year. But honestly, uh, with the bullpens that I've thrown this off season, everything seems to be there command wise. Um, just trying to build that arm strength back up. Uh, but I know that'll come with time. You mentioned focusing on the, the four pitches. Cause I, I think one thing that was always talked about with you after you were drafted in your first few years in pro ball is, Hey, this is a guy, he's got six pitches. And I think at some point, some people even said you had seven or eight pitches. I, I lost right. count, but uh, do you think sometimes, you know, that, that can be a little bit too much to think about what to do with all these different pitches and maybe focusing on four, just keep it a little bit more simple. You think that you feel like that just might be a better road for you at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just, I was putting too much time into two or three other pitches that I ultimately would just wouldn't use in the big leagues. Anyways, they were good pitches, but they just like didn't fit my repertoire and they just didn't make any sense for me to throw. So I was just wasting a bunch of time trying to focus on these pitches and the Astros were all for it too. And I don't blame them because they had great shapes on them. The track man loved it. So like I was all in for it too, but like ultimately as a pitcher, I just had to realize like I'm throwing too many pitches in games. I'm messing around too much with guys like throwing all these off speed pitches. I need to throw these two or three pitches, get guys out with these pitches. And that's what I was doing in summer camp. I was pretty much just fastball cutter changeup. That was it. Just mixing those three pitches well. And it was, the best I've ever I'd ever pitched in my career. Like, you know, like I said, it's thrown to the same guys all the time, but best command, uh, best like mixing usages. That last outing that I threw in summer camp was like one of the best outings I'd ever like felt I'd had in a while. So, you know, I had a lot of success with that repertoire. So I'm really looking forward to bringing it in to like, you know, actual competition this year. You know, you mentioned being down at summer camp and, you know, Blummer asked you earlier about, uh, you know, the, the prospect label and, and top prospect and all these things. Do you think in some ways it was a little easier for you in 2020? Because, you know, I mean, you always want to play in front of fans, but not being in front of fans, there weren't even scouts at these, at these alternate site mm-hmm. uh, inner squad games. Do you think maybe that made it a little easier to just kind of work on things and figure some things out? Yeah. I mean, I think having the crowd away for a little bit, I think the bigger thing for me was post actual spring training in 2020, because like that camp, like, I mean, I just don't even know what I was doing. Like (laughs) it was bad. Like, so I'm really glad that I had that time to go back, you know, during the first part of the, that lockdown to really like hone in on what I was doing wrong and make those adjustments and then come back into summer camp and, and really dial it in like really, really well. So I was super proud of myself for that. Yeah. Being in big league camps can be a little intimidating, especially when you're trying to find your way. I think it felt like you were a little bit, but you got to hang around a couple of Cy Young guys in the, in the, in the form of, you know, Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander. What was it like being a young pitcher around, 
you know, the salty veteran who has all the track record in the world and Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole, a guy who really just figured it out uh, and took another step in his career here in Houston. Yeah, it's it's so cool to to be around those guys first and foremost. And both of those guys are awesome dudes as much as they're, you know, amazing pitchers. Um, but it's it's also so interesting to see uh them go about their their daily their daily process. Like I remember when I was watching Verlander and Cole, how 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 awesome it was that they 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 just boiled it down to something super simple, a couple things that were super important to them, and they just hammered it. So that was that was those were the things that I picked up on them from from them was just <clears throat> really dialing in uh, a couple of things in your process and uh, making sure you've got you know all those things in in order. Yeah, being around veterans is good, but also the Astros uh, coaching staff is known for being extremely good at working with young players, most notably Brent Strom. Uh, talk a little bit about that relationship. And granted, he's about seven times your age, but uh, <laughs> explain how he's able to relate to young pitchers like yourself and try and get the best out of you guys. Yeah, he is a good pitching coach for me because he makes it. He he finds a way to make it competitive. If he, he has like. He has a lot of different like routes he can take, and if if you're if you're kind of messing around with different things, for example, I was throwing a bullpen uh, in spring training uh, this last camp in February. I think it might have been February or March, um, but I was having a hard time throwing my curveball for a strike. And he said, "I'll tell you what, Forrest, if if you don't throw this curveball for a strike, you owe me you owe me a hundred dollars. But if you do get if you do throw it for a strike, I'm going to give you a hundred dollars. I didn't even think about it. I put the ball in my glove and I threw that for a strike, and it was nasty too. And I just looked at him and I was just like, "That's that's what brings it out of me. It's like I'm better when there's something on the line that's huge. So I've like I've always told myself like I'm I'm a gamer. I'm a competitor. Like I like it when there's a lot of people in the stands. I like it when there's a lot on the line. Like that's when it brings the best out of me. And he recognized that. So that's a that's like my fun Shrami story. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. What um around what time did you realize that hey maybe I'm a little bit more competitive than the average kid or the average baseball player? Was there kind of a moment where you where you kind of realized or are you from a family of really competitive people? Uh, I mean, I mean, my dad, I know my dad's competitive. I don't know that my mom's super competitive. My brother was obviously competitive. He was, he was a really good athlete in his, in his day. Um, I don't know that there was like a, a specific moment. I've always been pretty competitive. Like I, when I was basketball was kind of like my first love growing up when I was like a little kid, just cause of the San Antonio Spurs. Um, so me and my friends would always play pickup basketball on Friday nights over at his house, over at my buddy's house in San Antonio until like two, three, four in the morning. I mean, I can't believe his parents put up with it. Um, uh, but I was just like, I would get so mad. Like I would just wanted to win. Like I wanted to be the best. And then like, I mean, I was a, I was like a pretty fierce competitor. Like my later years in high school, in baseball, just like wanting to win in high school. Um, and it kind of sucks because the minors kind of strips you out of that. Like it's, it's not super competitive. There's not like a huge emphasis on winning. So the last like five years, I've really been like deprived of it. But this summer camp, when you're facing like the big league hitters uh, in the stadium, you it really brings that kind of competitive nature out of you. Um, so that's what, that's what drives me. Like I'm, I'm trying to throw in front of like 30, 40, 50,000 people. Like, cause I think that's like where I'll be my best. 
All right, so let me get this straight. You say basketball is your first love. Mm-hmm. You have a growth spurt in high school that gets you to six foot seven, and you wind up sticking with baseball over yeah, yeah. basketball. Oh, so it what? was obvious too. Trust me, if you would have seen me, like I'm a completely different person now. Like if you would have seen me in my sophomore year of high school, like you would have been like, "Ooh, this kid needs to like probably not play sports." Like. <laughs> <laughs> Like I was in rough shape. Like I was tall, lanky, like out of shape. Um, and then like, I realized I could throw the baseball hard. So then I was like, I should probably get my body in shape. So I did it. <laughs> but, but what about basketball? Did that just fall off at some point? Oh, dude, did you I, play I at all? Bad. So we, we also had a very competitive basketball program. Um, I remember my, eighth grade when i was in eighth grade before my freshman year of high school we our our team went to the to the uh state semifinals or no the state finals and we had a guy who was like 6 11 6 9 6 7 and then like two guys who were like 6 3 and 6 5 like are the start of the rotation <laughs> and like we had like a bunch of guys that were really good too so i played my freshman year and like i was i was okay i was all right but then uh I just realized that baseball is probably the better route for me. Well, well, so far so good. Hopefully, yeah, we'll I see agree. you in the we'll see you in the big leagues here pretty soon. Forrest Whitley, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I appreciate. it. Great to hear from Forrest Whitley. Hey, the day we've been waiting for has come. Astro Spring Training tickets are now on sale. The ballpark of the Palm Beaches is ready to host fans and usher in the start of the 2021 season. Visit astros.com/spring to get your tickets today. We'll be back one final time on Astroline presented by Carbock Brewing Company live from Plucker's Wing Bar in 1400 Shepherd in Houston and on the Houston Astros radio network. Discover the Palm Beaches. Experience legendary hospitality in Florida's golf capital with special rates at the area's best resorts. Miles of uncrowded beaches stretch from Jupiter to Boca Raton. Small cities and beach towns are waiting for you to explore. More than 160 sun-soaked golf courses are inviting you to play. Start planning your next trip at thepalmbeaches.com. Baseball season, it comes and goes, but Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go Strohs! Welcome back for our final segment of Astroline presented by Carbach Brewing Company coming to you live from Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd. Hey, don't forget the next Astroline is coming up next Thursday, the 11th. Jeff Blum, who's with me tonight, will be on with Steve Sparks, and they will preview the American Lake West with uh, other broadcasters from the division. So, hey, it'll be neat if we actually get to see some of the other broadcasters in uh, person this year. That would be fun, huh? Well, that was the, that was probably the coolest thing is reaching out to – I'm, I'm going to be able to talk to Mark Gubiza, who does the color commentary on their television broadcast for the Angels, mm-hmm. and then Jared Sandler, who's on the radio with the Texas Rangers, to talk about those two ball clubs. But I, I'm with you in the sense that, you know, I really – I wasn't a guy who went booth to booth and tried to gather as much information. Uh, you know, we always found that communal spot maybe out behind the booth where we talk a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I ever needed information, it was easy to go into that other booth and go, hey, what do you got on this guy? Tell me a little bit about this prospect or what kind of stretch this guy's been in, why he's been so good. And 
man, I severely discounted all those opportunities yeah. it, that we had to be able to talk to those guys and get that information because if we weren't able to get it on the field, which we're missing out on, we were able to get it from the guys in the booth, and now right. uh, we're missing out on both those. So it makes our job a little bit tougher, but uh, being able to talk to those guys and get to know a little bit more about the American League West will be kind of nice. It will be kind of nice, and I'm looking forward to that. Again, that's the next Astro Line presented by Carbac Brewing Company coming next Thursday. The 11th, Jeff Blum and Steve Sparks hosting. Why are you leaving me? You're leaving me with Sparky? I, you know, I don't make the schedule. Man. Um, I I'd, I'd be with you every show, Blummer. But I know. They, but the powers that be agent, are like, man. we got to spread it out. Everybody wants to be with Blummer. Yeah, we can't I'm have sure. everybody. <laughs> you can, we can't have you do all of them with them. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I hear your fan club out there now. Yep. Yeah, what was, what was Blum's There's 20 bucks going that way. <laughs> was it Blum's Blondes when you yep, played? they're back. Right? They're back. They may have receding hairlines now, but they're back. <laughs> Hey, whatever. <laughs> fans are fans. Hey, and right? I will. I am. I am gonna take whatever I can get, man. I'm not gonna complain. What was that like for you too, as a player? Like the first time you saw Blum's Blondes, like a fan section you know, devoted to you and fans. There, yeah. There's a moment. Everybody asks that question. When did you know you were in the big leagues? I uh -huh. always said it was when I was hanging out with Jeff Bagwell, Craig Biggio. That's when I kind of had the idea. But I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna break it right here on uh, Astroline. Uh huh. I knew I had arrived when I had my own fan section. There you go. Yeah. I mean, when I had Blum's Blondes out there and the wigs were raging and everything was going fantastic, my first go around here with the Astros, that's when I kind of felt, you know, I bowed up a little bit. The chest came out and I undid <laughs> an extra button or two. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. No, that's that's fantastic. I mean, I think that's awesome. Uh, and then you got back in touch with them after you started broadcasting. So. No, I did. You know, that was that was what was kind of uh, interesting is all of a sudden I get, you know, this hollering at me through the front of the booth and I'm going, you know, who is this? Are they going to heckle me or yell? And I leaned over, and there they were. There were there were three women that uh, were a little bit older, like I was, <laughs> but they but they still had the wigs. And I was like, man, I appreciate you guys so much. And it was great to re be able to reconnect with them and reminisce a little bit about the good old days. That's really cool. Were they disappointed that you no longer have the blonde yes. hair? Dude, you know what? I get more responses on Twitter about my hair than I think anything else. Everybody is severely disappointed <laughs> when the season starts and I don't have that hair. But at the beginning of every season, at the beginning of every season after 2017, <laughs> yeah. I have said if the Astros win the World Series, I will dye my hair platinum blonde again. Uh -huh. But we almost we were, what, eight outs away in 2019 for me showing up in 2020 which would have just really just been the icing on the cake of 2020 right. with that platinum blonde hair. But there's always, there's always the potential or the opportunity because the older I get, the more those blonde highlights, quote-unquote gray highlights, start to come in. <laughs> yeah, it'll be uh, Blum's Grays will be the fan <laughs> exactly. club. Exactly. Coming up. I mean, the I mean, salties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what happened with the blonde hair? Was that when you stopped playing, you were just like, all right, I'm done with this? Or? It was kids. It, ah. it was kids. It was, you know, 10 years of marriage. It was time to grow up. And what? You? Yeah, yeah technically, technically, I needed to grow up because we were starting <laughs> to take family photos, and I don't think my <laughs> wife wanted to see those anymore. But the best part is, is, you know, we've moved a couple of times, and uh -huh. we actually have the hard copy photos of some of those pictures back in the day. My wife has actually posted a couple of them, unfortunately. And the kids will break them out, and they'll go, wait a minute, why is your hair blue? <laughs> why is your hair red? They're like, why is your hair? I'm like, man, I, I have never gone through a box of photos so quickly in my life trying to tear those things up. Yeah, it doesn't give you much credibility if you try to tell your kids. Yeah, that I'm they like, can't you, dye their you hair. can't do that. You shouldn't do that. Meanwhile, there's 50 <laughs> pictures of me with you know 18 different hair colors. Well, this has been fun. 
Uh, I know you're going to be doing this next week. Hope to see you here pretty soon down I'm, the road. I'm the Cal Ripken of Astroline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. You, you have an, <laughs> a, you, an unbreakable streak for sure. Again, the next Astroline is coming up uh, next Thursday, the 11th. Jeff Blum and Steve Sparks previewing the American League West. Make sure you don't miss it. I'd like to thank everybody who made today's show possible. Thanks to Chaz McCormick and Forrest Whitley for joining us. Thanks to our studio producer, Bob Elliott. Also, thanks to our producer engineer, Matt Bolter. Jeff Blum and Robert Ford saying so long. You've been listening to Astroline, presented by Carbach Brewing Company, live from Plucker's Wing Bar on 1400 Shepherd on the Houston Astros Radio Network.